0: Dear Lord, you are worthy of praise, you are worthy of fear, and it is you only who are worthy of that. And, and to think that the God who, who, whom we're called to fear says, fear not. Uh, the, the God who spoke creation into existence speaks this word into our heart and gives us your word in written form also. Uh, Lord, may we uh, may we hear it. May my words be faithful to yours, and uh, may we act, uh, being doers of the word, not hearers only. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So Acts chapter 5, but a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived in this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And a great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold this land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And a great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least a shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits and they were all healed but the high priest rose up and all who were with him that is the party of the sadducees and filled with jealousy they arrested the apostles and put him into the public put them into the public prison but during the night an angel of the lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this all the words of this life and when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with them with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So when they, retur- they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but we opened them and found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and, and told them, Look, the men you, whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain and officer of the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought him, they, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thetis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present tent case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or if its undertakings are of man, it, it, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that, the Christ, that Christ is Jesus. Yes, Praise God. As I, as I preach out of the word we have today, Hannah is going to follow along and, and give some visual representations if that helps you as, as you take notes or as you draw yourself. There are a lot of things going on in chapter 5, this passage we're here. We could talk about sacrifice, about giving, about honesty, lying. We could talk about the tension between the obedience to the, the, the worldly authorities and, and, and submission to God. We could speak of joy in the midst of persecution. However, the, the theme of our sermon, sermon series, uh, as we go through the first uh, 11 chapters of Acts, is called sent and this idea god is ascending god and indeed he is ascending god so you're at towards the end of your if your scripture if you go all the way to probably page 2 uh, genesis chapter 1 uh, verse 27 let's see that god is ascending god so genesis chapter 1 uh, starting with verse 27 so god created man in his own image and the image of god he created him Male and female he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God creates the world, he creates mankind, and then he says, go. And in the end it says, he saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Of course, even after that, though those first image bearers, they sinned against God. They broke his relationship or their their relationship with him. But even then, he continued to send. He, He wasn't done sending. He sent Noah. He sent Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua. He sent kings like David. He sent queens like Esther. He sent prophets like Jeremiah. He sent rich like Boaz, the destitute like Ruth, and even slaves like Nehemiah. God even sent his own son. Right? And then, after his son rose from the dead, as we heard a few weeks ago, he sent his own Holy Spirit so that in turn he could send his church, send that church back into the world. He had created so that they could be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth to bring his image bearers back from that broken relationship into a relationship with him, reconciled and restored, that whoever believes in Jesus Christ should not perish but have eternal life. In the, in the previous chapter of Acts, we saw how, how, how the church went out as they were sent, and, and as that happened, others were sent in, living, they were living together in community, they were giving up their wealth to support those in need. And in today's text, we, we, we saw that, that others were sent to do the same, whether sent to be sacrificially generous uh, with worldly wealth, sacrificially generous with the gifts of the Spirit, or sacrificially gen- generous with the gospel. Now, when God sends people, it's almost always that that Satan responds with temptation and says, don't fear God, fear this. Trying to instill this fear that will keep the people of God from being obedient to that call to to be sent. Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, and soon they feared their nakedness. Noah was tempted with wine, and he, and he feared shame. Abram and Isaac were tempted with need and, and feared the men who could meet those needs. Moses was tempted with doubt. He feared Pharaoh. Joshua had the, the, the walls of Jericho. David had Goliath. Esther and Nehemiah uh, feared their kings. Samuel was told his call was false. Jeremiah thought he was too young to speak God's words. Boaz and, and Ruth were tempted to be impure. Nehemiah was discouraged by the plight of his people. And in our text today, in in Acts chapter 5, we we see more, because just as Jesus himself was tempted and persecuted and crucified, now the church is tempted and and persecuted. Satan tempts first people to fear uh, loss of wealth, loss of status and power, imprisonment, persecution, Sickness, injury, and death. And it's like Satan is saying through these temptations, fear this, fear something that isn't God. Fear something that, that might, it might not look like fear, right, in the world's de- definition, where, where, where we, we tremble, we're where, where, where scared of something, but it certainly looks like fear by God's definition. It's something that is due to God, due to God alone, and the enemy seeks to steal it. You heard Josh read from Matthew, the, uh, another similar pe- uh, passage in Luke. Jesus says this to his disciples. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you who fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. What a waste of time to fear that which is not God fear of those other things led Adam and Eve to, to abandon their perfect relationship with God and to be cast out of the garden. It led Saul to persecute David, David to de- order the death of Uriah and the very people whom God had sent to be his witnesses to the whole earth, that, that there is a God in Israel. It, it led them to crucify his son. And we, today we see that Satan continues to tempt people to fear something that is not God. And God continues to say, no, fear me and me alone. As he said to Joshua, he still says to us today, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ananias and Sapphira, perhaps they've seen what's gone on in the church with Barnabas, just, just the verses prior. Uh, a man named Joseph ends up being called Barnabas. He is rising in status in the church. And they see that he went out and sold some land and laid the prophets at, at the apostles' feet. And so maybe they're thinking, man, if we do that same sort of thing, we're going to rise in status. But they keep back a portion of the price instead. Maybe it's because they're afraid of, of, uh, of not having enough to meet their needs. We really don't know. It's not the fact that they keep back some of it, by the way, that's a sin. Peter's really clear in that. He says that the land and the purchase price, it belonged to them before and it belonged to them afterwards. It's not that. It's that they lied to, not to man, but to God. They conspired in their hearts to test the Spirit. In, in doing so, they have proven that they don't fear God, and for that sin, they pay a terrible price praise God that he is patient with us and we don't all pay the immediate consequences of our sins unlike Satan and unlike man God's wrath though is righteous and it's purposeful and the result of this display of God's displeasure and his power is to remind us that he alone is worthy of fear if we look at uh, Acts 5 verses 5 It says, and a great fear came upon all who heard of it. And then in in verse 11, and a great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. It is as if God is saying, look, learn. Are you going to be like Ananias and Sapphira? Are you going to fear the praise of man? Are you going to fear need? Or are you going to fear me? Are you going to fear the created, or are you going to fear the one who created the heavens and the earth? Are you going to fear the noise, or are you going to fear the one whose voice shakes the very foundations of the temple? And a great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. When we fear God, we are led Into action, because unlike the the fear of things in this world, which lead to world worldly fights and flight and compulsion and even paralysis, the fear of God compels us to boldness and willing obedience to go where He sends us, and that's what we see in this text today. A great fear comes upon of, of God comes upon the whole church, and the apostles go and gather in Solomon's portico, which a couple. Chapters ago is where they got arrested the last time they did this. But God works signs and wonders through them and he shows them his glory. A fear of man comes upon the Sadducees and the the high priest. They are filled, it says, with jealousy, causing them to arrest and imprison the apostles. But God shows that he, not man, is to be feared. And he sends an angel to free them and direct them to continue preaching and teaching the gospel. And this causes even more fear. Right? Perplexing and wondering fear among the Sadducees. And even fear of the, uh, of the crowds uh, among, among the guards. And yet they still do not fear God. So they bring the apostles back to the council. And try to instill that fear of man in them. But note the apostles' response in verse 31. We must obey God rather than men. They refuse to fear man, the created. Instead, they choose to fear God, the Lord, even, even as they are uh, threatened and eventually beaten. So that was then what happens now. Right? There are five things I, I, I saw in here that we can take from that, that old context where this was originally, it happened, who it was written to, and put it in, into ours. The fear of God results in proclamation of the gospel to the lost. It results in the conviction of the lost and the salvation of the lost. And then among the faithful, the proclamation of the gospel brings joy to the faithful. And it results in the sending of the faithful. The proclamation of the gospel to the lost. What we fear is evident in everything that we do the apostles feared god rather than man and so every day in in the temple verse 42 every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that the christ is jesus but our fear is also manifest in what we do not do the fear of things other than god can shut our doors from offering hospitality It can avert our eyes from suffering, close our hands to to service, and most tragically, it can shut our hearts from receiving the gospel and shut our mouths from proclaiming it. But the immediate result of fearing God above all else is the teaching and the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. The fear of God drives out the fear of all else, and it results in the conviction of the lost. We hear hear from from another teacher, he says, but if it is a God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found to be opposing God. When that gospel is preached, when that gospel that just doesn't proclaim the perfect love and mercy of God, which is true, but also his perfect righteousness and holiness, the Holy Spirit uses it to convict the lost of the reality of their condition. We hear this in this guy, Gamaliel, he's struck by this bold witness in the face of persecution, and he calls the rest of the council to task. And he he says, take stock of what's going on. Look at this situation. If this is of man, nothing's going to come of it. But if this is of God, right? You do not want to be found opposing this. Fear the one who is worthy of your fear. Now, sometimes people will yield to this conviction immediately. We saw this as a result of Peter's first sermon, right? He does that, and it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, what shall we do? And at other times, this this conviction will be ignored, at least for the present. as most of the council and the high priests seem to do. But turn with me to the next chapter, chapter 6, and see what happens here. We're going to skip all the way down to verse 7. Spoils in the next week's sermon. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The conviction of the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel provides only two options. We can reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can remain in our rebellion, we can remain in our sin, we can remain unreconciled to God and take a step closer to judgment in that condition. Or we can repent from our sins and embrace the free gift of God through Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of our sins through faith in Him. And though we are not worthy to be called His children, we can be reconciled to our Father who sees us while still a long ways off. His heart is filled with compassion and He runs to us and embraces us, kisses us, welcomes us back as His own. We don't know if Gamaliel was among the priests who believed in in chapter 6. What we do know is is that soon one of his disciples will be persecuting the church. Be persecuting the church of God violently and trying to destroy it is what he will later write. He'll say that he was rising quickly in prominence among his peers because he was so extremely zealous for the traditions of his father. His name was Saul, and when he finally recognized Jesus as the Christ, his direction would turn forever. We know him as Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. His ministry was in in the gospel combined with that of so many other disciples led to the growth of more disciples in Jerusalem and and Al-Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and even to New Hampshire. And that leads to joy among the faithful. Acts 5.41. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Rejoice over suffering? Rejoice in dishonor? That makes about as much sense as counting it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. In the eyes of the lost, blinded by the fear of the world, unable, they are unable even to perceive the kingdom of God. This indeed makes no sense whatsoever if our love is just happiness our fear is sadness and jesus says blessed are, are those who mourn happy are the sad if, if our god is comfort and safety our fear is discomfort and troubles if our gore, if our goal is is honor Our fear is dishonor, but when God grants us the grace to fear him, removing our fear of the other, and the obedience to proclaim his gospel, he also fills us with his joy, even in the midst of suffering and dishonor and trials of various kinds. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar that you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. The fear of God leads to the only true joy in this life. And then the final thing that happens is it results in the sending of the faithful. The fear of God, which drives out the fear of all else, leads to a response from the faithful to God's command to go. When we finally relent to the God who says, fear me alone, come face to face with the God, uh, God the Father on the throne, high and lifted up, whose presence fills the temple, about whom the heavenly beings say, holy, 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 whose voice shakes the foundations and fills the air with smoke. When we come face to face with God the Son, the risen Christ, whose eyes are like a flame of fire, feet like burnished bronze, voice like the roar of many waters, holding stars in his right hands, it's like a sword is coming out of his his mouth, and his face is like the sun shining in full strength. And, And when we come face to face with God the Holy Spirit, who roars into a house like a mighty rushing wind, filling the house and resting as fire, on his disciples, empowering them to do things not possible in the flesh, testifying to the glory of the Father and the Son, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's the same Spirit who filled Samson and led him to kill a thousand Philistines with a, the, the jawbone of a donkey, right? And who bears witness to the Father and the Son through signs and wonders and gifts and spiritual fruit. When we fear that triune God, we will go where he says to go. We will do what he says to do. We will proclaim what he says to proclaim, not out of compulsion, but because we do not fear anything that could stand in our way. Friends, let me ask you this as lovingly, but as seriously as I can. And please don't answer immediately. Think about it over the next moments, next hours, maybe over the week. Evaluate your your life. your your thoughts, your actions, your words, your values. Whom do you fear? What do you fear? Are you like Cananias and Sapphira? Do you have a fear um, of the appearance of one who fears God while you're seeking status or, or seeking the false promises and assurances of wealth? If so, you fear this world, not God. And like them, you are lying not to man, but to God, testing the Spirit of the Lord. If that is you today, what step of faith is God calling you to take in order to deny the power of wealth, status, position, or anything else, and instead instill that fear of God, and to fear God and God alone? Jesus says, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Are you like those who gathered around the apostles in Solomon's portico, right? amazed at signs and wonders performed by God and his people, yet not daring to join him? If so, you may be tempted to think it is out of the goodness of our hearts, right, or the quality of our character that these things are, are done. And that is not true. If you respect God's people, but never fear, or never learn to fear God, you will only be dis- disappointed in us someday, and one day you will be devastated. Or you may be tempted to join us, doing righteous deeds on your own strength, only to find out that God considers those as as filthy rags. If this is you, what step of faith is God calling you to, right, to shift your focus from signs and wonders into the God who does them? Are you like the high priest in his council, seeking your own way and rebelling against God's gospel? Are you ignoring the Holy Spirit's conviction and, or maybe even trying to silence him so you can maintain your own direction? Friends, it says in Scripture that God is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and its works that are done in it will be exposed. If you do not fear God now, you will fear God later. Can we help you take the step of faith and recognize that your struggles against God here on earth can only lead to destruction, but that the God whom we are called to fear? offers you rest for your weary souls. Are you like Gamaliel? You desire to fear God, but you're unsure of who this Jesus is. Knowing that God is true and sovereign, and that while man's works will ultimately fail, what God does endures forever? How can we help you see that this Jesus is indeed the Christ? This Jesus who we killed by hanging him on a tree has been exalted by God at his right hand to be our leader and savior, to grant us repentance and forgiveness of our sins. How can we witness that with the Holy Spirit to you? answer your questions, and help you truly fear the God who then says, fear not. And then for those of us who say we fear God, do we? Is it evident in our lives, in our prayers, in our thoughts, our words, our actions? Are we praying fervently and constantly, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, proclaiming the gospel boldly and serving his kingdom rather than our interests? Are we filled with the joy that comes not from earthly reward or, or the absence of earthly persecution, but from being counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name? How can we help you bring this gospel, the gospel that proclaims this joy to your family, your friends, your schoolmates, your neighbors, your workmates, your associates? What step of faith is he calling you to take, to grow in him, to learn from him, to be used for his glory. If you have a printed copy of, this, of the sermon, there's some questions at the bottom. They'll also go out uh, later by, by email, and, and you can get, pick up some copies too if you need to from, uh, from the office. But just uh, four, four statements, commitments. I would love for all of us to consider and, and, and to work out with fear. Before the end of the summer, I will. Fill in the blank. To be equipped to do that, I need to seek. Fill in the blank. People who, I can, who can help me do these and then people I can help to do these things. So here's some challenges that you might think of as you're filling that out. First of all, I was really convicted by, uh, I was at a, a, a conference and, I, and those of you who know me know I hate conferences, uh, but I was at a conference and I was next to a guy uh, who, from Brazil who grew up in in the most destitute parts, and, he's, and and people were talking about, well, we're here to make learn how to make disciples and, and w- find out what kind of resources are available for us to make uh, disciples, and he just got sick of it finally. He said, guys, I grew up speaking Portuguese. I didn't speak English. I learned English specifically so I could access all the resources that you have in your, in your country in, 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 in the English language. You don't need for resources you have everything you need what you need to do is go ouch (laughs) Um, but that's true we are not in need of resources if you need to learn how to proclaim the gospel we got richard Diane burley right across the street and today right in the back of of the congregation catch them in palmer hall catch them somewhere they'll help you we've got people who love to do this thing go seek out ernie Find out what it's like to just walk up to anybody, and I mean anybody, without fear, sometimes with, with question wisdom. I mean, with, I mean, just on fire. You want to learn how to spread the gospel? Here's a couple ways. Right? But there are other people who have this passion. Go do this. With whom are you going to share the gospel with this week, this summer, this year, with your friends, your, your, your family, your neighbors, all those people around you. Whom are you going to show the gospel to this week? We have opportunities to be generous. We've got uh, some listed in in, in the bulletin. Uh, August 11th, we're going to be taking up a love offering for the Burleys to help them with some unexpected expenses for that van that just took a bunch of evangelists down to New York City. Right now, we have an opportunity to to help uh, the Duartes, uh, um, Pablo Duarte's uh, parents, who are down in uh, in Costa Rica, they've uh, suffering from severe flood. Out of their uh, lost the equipment that he he depends on to make his living uh, has just been sent from the shelter back to his house, which is filled with mud uh, and is un, uninhabitable. There are opportunities to give there generously financially, but we can also give to our missionaries. And I'll bring up the burlies again, uh, but also the Buttons, the Platt's, the Denison's, all whom are extremely low in their their budget right now. But you have opportunities to be generous right in your neighborhood. You will run into someone today or this week who is in need. Please, give generously. Give through hospitality, give through help. We've got more opportunities to serve this summer. Uh, There's more opportunities outside of FCBC uh, to serve. And then, of course, You can express your fear of God through discipleship. Bring someone along with you when you do it. And if you're afraid to do it, find someone who's not, or who's acting like they're not, and and go with them. And that's what discipleship is all about. Fear God. Fear Him alone. And fear nothing else. Let's pray. So Lord, we... that we get to walk into that throne room and, and, and pray to you uh, when you are who you say you are, worthy of being, uh, being feared. Uh, not even that it would be a choice of ours. If we were to truly see who you are, what you are doing, we have no choice but to fear you. We would fall as if dead. We would cry out, woe is me. And yet you reach out your arm and you say, fear not. Come to me you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then you send us out. or maybe we be obedient. May we truly fear you and nothing else, and be obedient to where you are sending us. And may we speak only your words, in truth, in power, in your spirit. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen you sing uh, the next song the, or the closing hymn is a shelter in the time of storm